WHHH Indianapolis. It's Open Lines with Cameron Riddle on Hot 96.3. Hold up. Good morning to you, Indianapolis. I'm Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle, coming to you live from the Hot 96.3 and 106.7 WTLC studios on this Sunday, March 20th, 2022. The month marked already half over. Last month in Black History Month, we wrapped the month up by talking about black history uh, and what's happened here in Indianapolis, you know, how we got here and where we still have to go. And we had Dr. Tom Brown on. And the conversation was so good, we said we've got to do another show and just continue talking about our history right here in central Indiana. And so today we will do just that. Dr. Tom Brown is standing by and we'll be taking your calls. 317-239-9696, 317-239-9696. I have a feeling we're all going to learn something from somebody, whether it's you, a caller, or Dr. Tom Brown. We're going to have a good conversation and we're going to learn a lot this morning. All of that is coming up when you call us at 317-239-9696. But first, let's get you caught up on what's happening today in the news. Two people are dead after a shooting last night near the Baxter YMCA on Indy's south side. IMPD was first alerted to the shooting just after 8 p.m. after someone called 911 reporting shots fired behind the YMCA's building. IMPD arrived to find two men with gunshot wounds. Both have died from their injuries. Anyone with information is asked to call Crime Stoppers at 317-262-TIPS. Police need your help in the investigation of one of the five deadly crashes in Indy from Friday. 59-year-old Carol Miller is the victim of a fatal hit-and-run on the city's southeast side on East Troy Avenue. Police are looking for a vehicle involved in that crash. They say it is a 2013 or 14 Chevy Cruze. The car color is described as Atlantis Blue Metallic. The vehicle should have damage, including a missing passenger side mirror, shattered windshield, and a broken passenger side headlight. If you have any information, you are asked to call Crime Stoppers. That number again is 317-262-TIPS. Fire crews in Plainfield have finally left the scene of that massive fire at the Walmart Distribution Center. The 1.2 million square foot structure has been burning since around Wednesday at noon. Crews finally left last evening on Saturday night. The cause of the fire is still under investigation. A Walmart spokesperson says all affected workers will be paid 40 hours this week plus any overtime. The now destroyed Walmart Distribution Center employed 1,000 employees, all of which were able to escape and are accounted for. According to Fox 59, there is more good news. The Environmental Protection Agency says the debris that was found in yards in Plainfield and on the west side of Indianapolis have been tested and did not contain asbestos. In the forecast, today is the official, the, I just made up a new word, the first official day of spring, and it will feel just like spring today with partly cloudy skies and a high of 63 degrees. Monday will be even better with a high of 70. Then we'll get some rain on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Right now, it is 33 degrees on this first official day of spring, which actually begins at 11.33 this morning. All right. Like I said, last month, we had such a great conversation uh, about, you know, what's going on in our life, what we've seen in our, our lifetimes. You know, they span different eras, and, and we've seen so much. And just talking about what happens here in Indy uh, led to a conversation that we needed more time for. Uh, and that's when we brought Dr. Tom Brown on to close out uh, Black History Month to talk about how we got here, how far we still have to go. Uh, but with that said, of course, you don't just have to talk about that in February. That's an ongoing conversation, and it does continue right now. Dr. Tom Brown is on our live line. Sir, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good to have you. Um, of course, Dr. Tom Brown, you can hear him Saturday mornings on Harambe on our sister station, WTLC AM 1310, 92.7 and 95.1 FM, uh, the light for Harambe, Saturday mornings at 9. 
Dr. Brown, how are you? I'm doing fine on this spring day, first day of spring. First day of spring. When I think winter didn't do us too bad. No, I didn't get my snow. Okay, I know that's going to frustrate folk. Well, I like snow, and so I'm always annoyed, especially when the, the weather people are, well, I got bad news, it's going to snow. Well, what is, he, what is it supposed to do? It's December. If I'm more concerned when it's uh, 75 degrees on, on December 30th, that's what I'm concerned. That, that's a real day and real concern to have on, on, on in a December, believe me. Yeah, so I, I'll take the snow. If it's snowing in July and June, all right, now I'm concerned. Oh, I am too. So, you know. But, hey, we, we didn't do too bad. Watch out for those potholes, though. want to thank all the DPW folks and NDOT folks for getting those potholes as fast as they can because when you have the weather like it's doing this weekend, Got when it. it was beautiful on Friday, it's Below freezing, it's at freezing. What is it? It's 36, so just a couple degrees above freezing right now. And then it's going to be 70 degrees. That's when the potholes come because the roads just break right apart with that up and down temperature. So thank you all for staying on top of that, drivers. We appreciate it. Dr. Tom Brown, when we talked last month, we had, you know, talked about your connection with, um, you know, uh, Dr. King and him visiting your family uh, and, and staying with you guys at some points. Um back when when you were a teenager um and we ended the conversation talking about you know today's politics and how we got here and and the education system and and segregation of of schools which shaped the way our our school districts are today everything that happened then is, is has an effect today what is something that you you know uh, that people in Indianapolis may not understand about our own history here. Wow, that's um, that's a that's a unique way of of, of uh, posing that question. There, I think there's a lot of uh, there is a lot of history. There's no, I think it's a lot of history, and the people who haven't, many of them have transitioned from here, uh, Cameron. Uh, many of them have left. And still there are many here who really uh, can talk about it. The significance is Indianapolis, look at Indianapolis in the 40s. Let's bring it up from the 20s through the 30s through the 40s, uh, through the 50s. Uh, I come here in 1945. My dad brings me. He comes out of the military. My dad and mom uh, come from Chicago, and we come up in here. And in those uh, in those 40s, I'm going to school 26, can you imagine, on the east side. We were staying at 1412 East 17th Street, which I remember well now. Mm-hmm. But uh, the educational network uh, was where you had your own schools, you had your own community. But think about this, Cameron. The reality is when they start putting in the interstates, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Became, it became a unique, a unique nightmare for the black community. And, and I do mean a nightmare. When they put in the interstates, I'm well. We were we were right there, 1412 East uh, 17th Street, mm-hmm. right down the street from uh, School 26, and all not too far from the School 56, not too far from uh, Douglas Park, uh, not too far from 19th Street. All of this and having what they call the old. We didn't call them buses. I think we called them trolleys, if that may be. Mm-hmm. Uh, going up and down what was called then Martindale, which is now named, uh, people listening is named uh, after my father, Andrew J. Brown. That Those interstates were systemically placed to divide the power base of the black community. Now, here comes the second thing. What comes after that? They started playing with two things, and that was school deseg and also... What was the unique word? We call it UNIGOV. Mm-hmm. UNIGOV. It, all of those initiatives created an economic power base, not for the black community. It diminished the black community's power base. Uh, but in, in the late 60s and then in the 70s, when I come back into Indiana, I'm back into Indianapolis, having worked with SNCC, I'm watching School DSEG, and it was crazy. It was taking our young people like slaves and taking them out into what they call the suburb schools. Or, mm-hmm. and, and I remember one day trying to encourage 
from radio encouraged people, do not get on those buses. And then the federal court judge told me I was in contempt of court. And uh, my dad said, well, you need to probably back up off of it that way. Mm -hmm. But the bottom line was, why not bust the teachers in to our schools instead of busing our children out there to the teachers and but at the same time that dynamic was also impacting the financial base for our schools in the inner city that whole educational uh, playbook the uh, unigov playbook and then there was that creating those interstate were three primary methods that affected what we call the economics of the black community, and it really affected quite seriously the educational and the political uh, potential for the black community in, in, in establishing unity. So let's, let's start right there. Let's start with UNIGOV. Well, let's start with education, which is actually caused by, by UNIGOV and the DSEG. Correct. Um, and so, so you, you tell me what, what, I, what I miss because everything I know is from things that I've studied and read, or having lived the end part of DSEG that was started 50 years ago. Go oh, ahead. Yeah. So when UNIGOV came in back back in the, in the 60s, when they were figuring out how they could consolidate Indianapolis. Correct. Uh, you know, that's why we have the Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department, because the sheriff's office and the police department folds it in together. You might remember, you know, at least 10 years ago, you still had some um, fire departments. You had the Perry Township Fire Department and the Franklin Township Fire Department and the Warren Township Fire Department. And then it all folded into the Indianapolis Fire Department. There you go. Well, they wanted to do that with the schools as well. Now, th the fire and police was some of the end. That happened in, in the 2000s. You're correct. But this has been something that has been, that's an entire process that took about 30 years to quote unquote complete. So in the 60s, when, and we're at the end of the 50s and the 60s, um, they wanted to consolidate all of the Indianapolis schools. So back then you had Washington Township Schools and Perry Township Schools and Wayne Township Schools and Warren Township and Lawrence Township. And just like everything else, they said, let's make it one school district. So it would have been every school in Marion County, including Beach Grove and Speedway, under the original idea was that all of you will be Indianapolis Public Schools or you will be Marion County Public Schools. You pick the name. But it would have been that. And as you could imagine, back in that time, there were folks in what technically was not Indianapolis yet. There you go. Who lived in Perry Township, who lived in Wayne Township. They lived in Marion County, but they technically, the lines were not redrawn to make them part of the city of Indianapolis yet. So imagine back in that time, folks living where some of y'all live now over there on High School Road, you're in Wayne Township, and uh, over on Post Road, you're in uh, Warren Township and, and Lawrence Township. Those That wasn't Indianapolis at the time. And they did not like the idea of sending their kids, who, of course, would have been mostly white because that was the suburbs. They didn't want them mixing in with these inner-city kids, who, of course, would have been black, uh, and taking away the local control. We still hear that said, local control of their school districts. So that was part one, was the suburban folks didn't want to go to school with the inner city folks. Um, but there was also another part happening inside of Indianapolis itself, where, and this, and this Dr. Brown would have been you as, as one of those students Indianapolis Public Schools also had its own issue of segregating kids inside its own school district. So you had kids who uh, might have lived right there uh, in front of Short Ridge High School, uh, which at the time was the first high school in Indianapolis. It was Indianapolis High School. Um, you might have been black and lived 30 seconds from Short Ridge. But no, 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 no. 
You're not going to go to school there because that's where all the white kids go. We're going to send you over across district to Crispus Attucks. Um, that's where we're going to send all the black kids. So right there, you had a segregation issue inside of IPS where you're busing kids across across the school district when they live across the street from a school. Issue number one. So that became the main issue. And so when a judge came in and said, you know what? Not only we see what you guys are doing on two folds. We see you don't want kids going out of Indianapolis public schools to Perry Township or to Wayne Township. And then you also don't want to let them go to the school that's right across the street from their house in their district. So here's what we're going to do. A little something called desegregation was introduced. And it allowed them to, we'll, we'll let you keep the lines of your school district. So Perry Township will still exist and Decatur Township and Franklin Township. But you're going to take some of the kids from the IPS school district. And it's going to be a one-way flow. Um, because IPS, you're already, you're, you're dogging them inside of your district. So we're going to send them out. So if you live in Brightwood, Martindale Brightwood, you're going to go to Perry Township schools. We're going to, buses will come pick you up. Take you out south. Uh, if you live in Hogville, uh, we're going to take send you to Wayne Township. And buses will come get you and, and send you there. Of course, IPS had to redo things inside of their own district. So it, it also hurt IPS because they weren't sending kids in either. So they weren't saying, okay, Martindale, Brightwood, you guys head out to Perry Township. And they weren't saying, okay, Perry Township kids, we're going to send you into school at Brightwood, that's what would have made it a two-way mix. But it was this one-way um, drain of IPS by just sending kids out. And that was supposed to go on for 50 years. It made those school districts um, that have a township school after their name, it made them more diverse, but it didn't make IPS any more diverse uh, because you just sent the people out without sending people in. So that plan was supposed to go for 50 years, and it actually just ended in the last uh, five years, I believe. Um, Me as a student, I went when we moved to uh, the south side of Indianapolis uh, from Wayne Township. All of my friends who were black lived in Brightwood and were busted down. Now, at the time, I don't think many of us understood why that was happening. Um, but even as I graduated, DSEG was still going on. It was starting to wean off one grade level at a time. Um, but then you had, um, as I became a school bus driver, I was the I was driving the final years of DSEG, taking kids from Brightwood to Perry Township and then back. I enjoyed it because it was extra money. Uh, <laughs> uh, but that said, that whole story that I just showed you shaped why. The one city of Indianapolis has 11 school districts in it because of racism in the 60s and in the 50s and into the 70s, too, where they didn't want black kids and white kids going together. So they were forced by that judge that you were talking about, uh, Dr. Brown, who said, we're going to send buses from Perry Township up and from Wayne Township and from Franklin Township uh, from these white areas and send the black kids that way. Now, Dr. Brown, you just talked about how you told people don't get on those buses. Right. You, uh, uh, I, I like, I like your narrative. Uh, I had to chuckle. You, you were in, you were caught in the mess. Now, one thing you described was interesting. Now, I went to Chris, I went to Tech, mm-hmm. and this was in nineteen. Now, catch it. I went to Tech in nineteen and fifty-five, fifty-six. Okay. Same year that, uh, well, 1956 and 57, that's when my dad was interacting with King because prior to that, dad had lived with the King family when he came out of the military and got messed up real bad. That whole history he tells, and he lived with the King family, we're talking about in 43, in, in, down there in, in Georgia. Okay. So he was already connected to that family. But to come back to your point, when I went to Tech, Tech, black and white. The only unique part about it, and, and some of those who are still listening may be at my age, at 80, that we had two cafeterias. The whites had one area and the mm. blacks had another area. Mm. And at the same time, you had many students going to Crispus Addicts, 
Uh, but I just select to go to Tech Coast. When you talk about Brightwood, you're really talking about over in that area uh, on the east side. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you had Howe. You remember that school? Mm-hmm. Howe was very much integrated. Then you had Washington. Then you had, now where we weren't going, we weren't really going to Broad Ripple in the 50s. Now, in the 60s, Shaw Ridge had kind of a large black population, and in the 50s it had some because of the athletic superiority of Crispus Addy. Mm-hmm. And But you described it very well. Really, the DSEG was intensified more so in the 70s, uh, like 72, 73, mm-hmm. 74. The 60s was the beginning, because if you remember, we had strong voters' educational initiatives within the black community. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bill Crawford, Glenn Howard, uh, Julia Carson, who uh, you had, you had strong lawyers, Richardson, uh, Chavis, uh, Brokenberg. The 60s and the 50s was gaining momentum, as you said, as you were saying about the schools. You had the townships. You're correct. Because one time the school uh, school population at IPS was about a hundred and some thousand students, mm-hmm. but they busted that up. So the townships, you were very correct in describing the townships. Pike today it blows my mind. In Pike back in the fifties and sixties, I called it Ku Klux Klan area. The mm. the uh, uh, not just Pike, but all of those what we call now suburbs were. We're, we're out there, you know, mm-hmm. like in the country. That what that was it was not what it looked like today. Not by the stretch of your imagination. Consider consider what the townships look like today. What you might think of rural areas of Hendricks County, like the suburban parts of Brownsburg and Avon. It w- it would almost be like uh, those schools being told you've got to integrate with Marion County schools. Imagine the uproar of somebody in uh in You said it Avon? Yeah, Avon in Brownsburg being told, yeah, your kids are gonna go to school in uh well, we're gonna send kids from uh let's pick a street. Where are we at? Right here, right here downtown. Here here from Tenth and Meridian. We're gonna send them out uh to your school district. There would be total uproar from both ways. Because why would I need to? I live right here. Why do I want to send my kid all the way out there? There you go. You, 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 and you know, like right now, it's interesting. Uh, my wife had an interesting meeting last week with a sister who's running for Lawrence Township mayor. And Lawrence. Now, Lawrence is on the other side of 38th Street. To get my drift? Right. And now we got a sister running for mayor. And Lawrence has its own mayor. Isn't it unique how these things work? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so then you, 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 you got, as they say, you cross the line, you're in Fishes, you're in Carmel. This, this, these are these areas that we didn't even know anything about. I'm speaking for myself in the, in the 40s and the 50s. And what this the displacement, as you call it, or would use the R word, racism, mm-hmm. It was a racism that that affected the, our schools and the black community and our black teachers. We do not have 15% black teachers in the whole school system. Mm-hmm. My experience as being a school commissioner in 1993, 94, 95, well, let me, well, at that time was interesting because of the fact that we were struggling with the economics and in, in being in, in, at the same time having moving to having a black superintendent, and this is coming at the late 80s and 90s, that you're still dealing with the fact that our young people and our need for black teachers was diminishing. And it's even more challenging now. Then you had also, here's another interesting thing, in the 80s, Cameron, while you're maturing and moving forward, what was the new game plan? private schools and charter schools. I'm curious to hear from from folks who have who have lived this and maybe didn't always know why, you know, if you lived over uh, cuz when I see when I did uh, when I drove up what we call the extended community or the northern community for Perry Township, it was everybody who lived uh at see would have been east of Keystone. Yeah. 
You're right. South of 38th Street, all the way over to Emerson, and then down to basically the I-70 interstate. Everybody who lived in there, there were there was an IPS school there, and it is there now. In fact, it's a charter school. Um, but everybody who lived, that was our district. And so everyone who lived in that area was sent to either Perry Meridian High School or Southport High School. And I can't, I don't remember the the drawings because Franklin Township had the other side of Emerson, and then uh, Hogville was uh, Wayne Township, um, and there, and I think Decatur Township had a little bit somewhere. I can't remember where theirs was. Nevertheless, I'm curious to know if you if you've lived this experience and maybe didn't understand why. And then Dr. Brown, at some point, I want you to talk to us about. You know, what was it like when when you were telling people don't get on those buses and go out south or out west? Um, I'm curious, because if the judge told you or your dad told you, son, might not want to do that because now you're playing with the feds. I'm curious to hear about that here in a second. Uh, But let me go to a couple phone calls. 317-239-9696. Caller on line three. Good morning. Yeah, I can hear you. You're live on the air. Yeah, can you hear me? I can. Who's this? Uh, this is Mayhem. Good morning. Uh, you're talking about a good thing, but uh, bring it up. It was all about it, it was racism. Also, it was about the economics. Of course, they killed they killed the economics uh, in the inner city. Now it's being reversed. Now they're bringing all the white people back and they pushing us out. Uh, Tom Brown, uh, they are about to gentrify your neighborhood now. They're tearing down houses and and redoing houses and uh, the the Monarch Trails coming to Washington Park. They're tearing down woods and stuff. So when you see cranes up in 46218, it ain't for the blacks. It's for the white people. They're they coming back. And also they're getting uh, tax tax abatements to come back in the neighborhood like they did in Maple Fall Creek. Thank you. Have a good one. All right. Thank you, sir. Appreciate the call. Let me jump to another real quick. Caller on line two. Good morning. Who's hey. this? Hey, this is Larry. If you know Cameron, I got interest in history. I was my One of my masters, Donald Anderson, was the first lieutenant on the now, he worked all that area during that time that Martin Luther King from the 40s down to the 60s, right? Mm-hmm. So what you know what he told me? The first thing that Martin Luther King came to town, they knew he was in town because he stayed right over at Pearl's Lounge, right over there at 22nd in Illinois. That's where the bars, that's where the girls was, that's where him and his party stayed, right over there. So, you know, Tommy, you only got about 14 years on me. I remember everything here at Indianapolis the uh, breakdown of our school system, and, of course, you facilitated that, but you talk about uh, Martin Luther King and how he fought to have little white kids sitting down with little black kids. That was your message that you taught. You went down south and disturbed our situation down there. You and your elk, I mean, how can, how can I don't understand one thing. How can you boast and brag about what you've done to uh, dupe illiterate colored people and to betraying their own future. Our destiny is destroyed here in the, in, 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 the, in, in this country because of what you and your people done. You know, Cameron, I was down at the Martin Luther King. Uh, hold that thought. Hold, hold, hold it, Larry. Hold it. Larry, 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 Larry. Hold it. Hold it. Hold up. I'm, I'm going to let uh, let Dr. Brown uh, respond if, if he so chooses uh, to you, Mr. Vaughn. Uh, I've met Larry. Everybody, this is one thing about the country. The Oh, the freedom of speech. Uh, Larry has been on, on on my program many, many, many times, and he, he claims that we're the reason because of the civil rights movement. And, of course, Dr. King never stayed at Foster's. Down at, he did not stay there because he would have been a dead man here in Indianapolis. We had to move him from certain houses and this kind of thing. But I understand Larry's perspective. I've been knowing him, like he says, I got 14 years on him, so I appreciate that, and I hope he has 14 more years himself. All right, with that, we're going to take a quick commercial break uh, so that we can pay some bills and then continue this conversation because uh, we're learning a lot, and the callers are, are jumping, and I definitely want to hear from some folks who live that experience, including uh, you, Dr. Tom Brown. When we come back, we'll take some more calls, but also talk about how tense it was in that time when – Kids were about to be what we call bust from one side of the city to the other. 
and they were not greeted with a warm welcome. It's just like you probably imagined. It was not a good time, but it's our history. And we'll keep talking about it when Open Lines continues here on 106.7 WTLC and Hot 96.3. We want to hear from you, your thoughts, your views, your voice. We are your eye on the community. It's Open Lines on Hot 96.3. Back to Open Lines with Cameron Riddle on Hot 96.3. And we are back here on Open Lines on this Sunday, March 20th, 2022. On the air this morning with Dr. Tom Brown talking about our Indianapolis history. And you can't tell me you haven't learned something already here uh, this morning. And so we want to learn more about from some of you who've lived this firsthand experience. We've been talking uh, for the better part of the show uh, about school desegregation and why Kids from the center of Marion County were sent out to the edges of Marion County. And I saw one part of it from my era. Dr. Tom Brown saw it, uh, a different view on, on his era. What did you see? Call us 317-239-9696. Dr. Brown, I'm going to ask you that question on what it was like for you in just a second, but I want to get in another call because they've been waiting, and then we got more calls coming. Uh, Caller online one, good morning. You're live on Open Lines. Hey, Cameron, how you doing this morning? I'm good. How are you? I am well. This is Paul Colin. I want to say greetings to your guests and to everybody that's listening. Yeah. Um, I want to, I want to, uh, two things that the brother said I want to focus on. Uh, do you catch my drift? And he also uh, alluded to back then, if we would have spoke out in different manners, we would have, we would have been killed and that sort of thing is when he talked about the death. Um, we need to bring death to dot .gov. I am sitting here listening to you guys, and y'all are discussing what these white people are doing to us and are still doing to us. We need to come to a conversation to to find out how to eliminate this altogether. Uh, As a matter of fact, uh, one of your guests, uh, I'm not a guest, a caller a few weeks ago said, if we got together, what are we going to do when we get together? So now I'm working on a plan for us to get together so that we can do something. All right, 30 seconds, Paul. Uh, I, I, that's, that's really pretty much all I wanted to say. And, uh, but, but I'm, I'm just saying that the brother, that's the brother Brown, you know, I know what they went through back then and I can still tell that the, that he still has uh, a fear in his heart of these people. And we're going to put a stop to them, sir. So you did your part. Now it's time for us to do our part. Everybody have a great day. And that's all I wanted to say. All right. Thank you, Paul. Dr. Brown, um, Folks, you can keep calling 317-239-9696. Got a couple people waiting. I'm coming to you next. But, Dr. Brown, I want to ask you, when when the judge ruled and said, okay, we're going to desegregate not only Indianapolis public schools, we're going to desegregate the entire county, the entire Marion County, and we're going to send uh, kids from the inner city one way out uh, to these uh, to these rural suburban township schools. Now they're really no different from IPS. They just called township schools and uh, IPS could technically be called center township schools. It's just what they're named. Yeah. Um, But what was it like in that time when uh, those buses were getting ready to come pick kids up and you were one of the ones saying, don't get on that bus. Well, I understood clearly what Paul was saying and, and he's got it right. And I had to laugh at myself because I'm, I'm writing on the fear to love and the love to fear a history of how fear takes over and how we, we're, we're caught in between. But let me respond to your question quickly. When I came back from SNCC and from graduate school and from other places back in 73, 74, coming from working up at Northwestern uh, University there, finished doctoral work and come back to Indianapolis in 74, Cameron, that's when it was really getting hot and uh, that 75, 76, running all the way through the 80s, and that's your period of time to experience it because they had enhanced it, man. So when I came in, and the, and I should never forget, Judge Dillon, I think was his name, we were going to court, and, and I'm saying on the radio, you got an interesting way 
that you can you and some others can write the history of how important radio was to the black community when Frank Lloyd bought and developed WTLC. That's a rich history. And all of that what was going on. Our only information in that struggle was coming from the station and from uh, the recorder. Mm. Uh, and, and if you wrote that history, see, we didn't get a radio station until 1968. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Mm-hmm. And that enhanced black participation, got us voting. But at the same time, in the 70s, you, you describe it real quick, but it was it was detailed. And I and here is a here is what I call not a well, let me, I can call it critical, but a analytical do you know who was also fostering that? The NAACP at that time was helping for school integration, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and 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 they made it they made it very good. When the guy said, "My fear, my fear was not the white man. My fear was my black brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. because when I'm telling them not to get on the bus, you're gonna have a crisis." And they did have some crisis up in Boston. And those places, because the, even the black teachers were against it, but they would lose their jobs. This, this, this educational move uh, was very, very sophisticated. And to study that, you will find out how much impact of its success came from the black community. 317-239-9696, 317-239-9696. You know, you talked about when they got on the bus, I'm getting ready to go to the phones. There was a uh, story by Fox 59 a couple years ago. I think it was Fox 59. And they had an interview with a mom who lived out east, and she was the first year of buses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she was going to Perry Meridian High School, which is where I went. Um, she... Um, Talked about how she was met with how just like, you know, we hear about Ruby Bridges and all them having to be escorted into uh, the front doors of the school. She said the same thing happened to them because there were folks who were waiting for them to get off that bus on the south side and were not happy to see this busload of black people going into their high school, which had been all white. Um, And so with that, um, her daughter was the final year of being bussed down uh, to the South side. So it was interesting to see how that really touched uh, two different generations and, and shaped the city. But let's go to the phones. 317-239-9696, 317-239-9696. Caller on line three. Good morning. Who's this? Good morning. This is Precious. Hi, Precious. You're live on the air. What's on your mind? Okay. So I was in the whole busing era as mm-hmm. well. I was in Franklin Township. Okay. From Central over to Winthrop and 38th Street down to 42nd Street. Okay. Um, it was a, a win-lose on both of our parts because they didn't want us there. Mm-hmm. We didn't want to be there. <laughs> but they needed us for athletics mm-hmm. to get them the publicity and the money that they needed to get into those schools mm-hmm. with all the airtime that we gave them because we were just that good. Um, and on the flip side of that, we knew that most of us knew that, so we used them to get into college for free. Mm-hmm. Mm. So um, even though we didn't want to be out there, we were quote unquote the northern community where mm-hmm. they had us lining up to get our lunch tickets in one line. Those type of things that right now, looking back, it's like, oh my gosh, did we have to do that? But then we didn't realize it so much. Um, but yeah, it was not. Ninety percent of the time, it was not a good time. But once we hit those fields and once we hit the track and, you know, all of that was in the back of our minds, unfortunately, because we were there for a reason. And that's what they wanted. And that's what we wanted. We used them like they used us. What what years was that for you? Um, I went to I graduated in 94. So late 80s, early 90s. OK, OK. All right. Yeah. Precious, thank you for the call. You're welcome. Thank you. Let's let's hear from some more folks. 317-239-9696. Caller on line two. Good morning. Who's this? Hello? Hello. You're live on the air. Who's this? Okay. Okay. Look, this is Marcus. I grew up in Mapleton Falls Creek area. Okay. 31st. They bust us to decay. Okay. What was the it? You funny... told me to 31st and what? 31st in college. Okay, okay. And they, they, yeah, they bust us all the way to Decatur. Mm-hmm. Now, the funny thing is, like the caller before me just said, Franklin Central 
was just up the street mm-hmm. on uh, 30, I think they had like 35th College Central Broadway area or whatever, up to I think 38th. Um, on 30th in College Broadway, Central Park, whatever, I was seeing Perry Township buses picking up kids uh, just up the street. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's crazy. Now, I went to School 70 and School 48. School 48 for kindergarten, School 70 for first and second grade. Um, I had racist teachers at School 70. I still remember, still to this day, Miss Atkins. <laughs> she'll touch the black kids. She'll touch the black kids. And she's going to instantly have to go wash her hands. You know, go wash her hands. Mm. I didn't experience that at Decatur, though, surprisingly. I want, I didn't even want to go to Decatur for the first First off. I wanted to go to Bra Ripple. I had friends that went to Bra Ripple. It was literally, I could hop on the 17th of college, take that all the way to Bra Ripple, go to Bra Ripple with my friends that lived in that area, and I've been cool. If something happened, hey, I know my way home. Mm-hmm. We can bus all the way out to Decatur. I don't know my way home. <laughs> yeah, you're going to need a ride. <laughs> yeah, you you stuck out there in nowhere, Fieldsville. So, um, basically, I had I, I didn't experience. It was some people, you know, when I went to school, and I graduated 2001. So, I'm from, like, 90, what, 95, 96? Okay. So about 2000 era. era. So, there were some racist kids, you know, still there, but I experienced that at Decatur from the teachers. Mm-hmm. You know, I experienced more so from little kids, a kid here and there, little comments here and there. And, you know, I, I remember one day uh, being the only black guy on the tennis team, uh, we playing uh, Martinsville. Mm. We got to go down to Martinsville because mm. they in our conference in Indiana. Oh, they got a nerve that played tennis now. They got mm. Oh man, I I remember being nervous. I I don't know. It it it, it was an interesting experience. I, I'll say, but mm-hmm. they, they um, it's it was year when I got the pipe. Mm-hmm. The pipe. I, I went. I go from Decatur Central, where the schools is what predominantly white, mm-hmm. to a school. At this time in 2001, that's I gotta say maybe 70 percent black, mm-hmm. maybe, and it was a big culture shock. It was nice. It was, I was like, hey, I'm at home now, you know. Mm-hmm. And even now, even now, Pike Township is, it, 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 it's different. Mm-hmm. It's more Hispanic and black now right. than it is white. But yeah, things have changed here. Thank you for, the, thank you, thank you for the call and telling us your 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 piece of history. I appreciate right. it. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Let me jump to one more before we go back to you, Dr. Brown. Caller on line one. Good morning. Who's this? Two three one seven two three nine ninety six ninety six. Who's this? Good morning. This is Shay. Hey, Shay. You're live on the air. What's on your mind, Shay? Um, I was just thinking, like, I'm younger, so I was born in, like, 95. Okay. I actually went to um, 48, and back then, it was, like, a really good school. We had... Um, field trips every month or every week, field day. Like, the teachers all there were predominantly, like, black. We had some white teachers, but most of them were black. They cared about everybody in the school. It was more based off love. And then um, from going to that school after fifth grade, I ended up going to Washington Township. Mm-hmm. Education was <clears> – education there was way better. Like, I don't know, it was just different. Yes, it was more love out in the blacker schools, but out there – it was definitely, like, more education. Mm-hmm. They had every sport you could think of available. And um, come to find out, like, our teachers there, they were putting money into the school, like, for us to do field trips. And they were doing that. They don't do that now. And I believe it's because of the kids. Like, I was um, working with a teacher at CVS, and she was telling me she left her teaching job because nobody was doing homework. The principal was telling them, like, Hey, don't uh, don't give us just don't stop giving them homework then if they're not turning it in. And she was saying like the students would start like hitting on her. They would stop coming to school. So I really feel like it's more of our community on why the situ the school situation is how it is now. Because even in the these like 
Washington Township, Lawrence Township, it's still stuff going on like that. It's still kids not going to school. It's parents out there not, like, too scared to tell their kids to go to school. It's really our community that's doing it. You can't really blame the white people. Thank you so much for the call, Shay. I appreciate it. Dr. Brown, let me jump to a couple more uh, before we wrap up at nine o'clock because I'm I'm interested in everybody's. Uh, yeah, I got I I feel you. I'm I'm liking the topic. I may have to do that on a Saturday. Yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing the different because you got to remember this is this is over fifty years. Thank you. Of 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 the different you know experiences that that people had and and how things were changing every year and now that it's done you know yeah you have more the it partially did what it was trying to do which was integrate so yeah the north half of indianapolis is far more black than than the white uh, than the south south side but the south side also does now have more black people than it did of course uh 50 years ago because that's where some people went through school K through 12 and that's actually the area they know so there are some more uh, out there. Let's go back to phones. 317-239-9696. Caller on line three. Good morning. Who's this? Hello? 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 You're live on this the air? Me, uh, this, okay, this is uh, Kim. Matt. Okay, yeah. I, was, uh, I went to uh, 26 uh, myself. I, I, I heard uh, Thomas Brown. I was wondering if he, you know... Uh, I can't, uh, I can't hear you that uh, well. Okay, can you hear me now? A little better, yeah. Okay. Well, I went to 26 myself, and I know that he was talking about. I came from 17 for Washington. Okay. And I was, and uh, I remember when they first came over to 26 on the bus, the white kids from uh, right across the track, when you was right there at uh, 16th Street in uh, Roosevelt, I guess what the name of it is. Yeah. And I remember, I could remember when uh, going over there right at the Roots came on. Mm. And the, the, the fight that pursued after that, and I think about the structural, uh, the structural, the systematic racism that's installed in the system all the way through, and it's, it's, we're just going back as a total, like they putting this carry the guns with no license, and they give us cases where the white man wouldn't have done either, because eventually they take you out with the felony. But we wouldn't have some of these if it wasn't for the systematic racism that put us where the choices were living. You had to be real strong. Make it true. All right, I appreciate but, the call. I got yeah. jumped to I got jumped to some All more right. before we wrap up. Appreciate you. Uh, let me go to caller online too. Good morning. You probably got about thirty seconds. Who's this? Hello, can you hear me? I can. You're live on the air. Who's this? Okay, hey, uh, I just wanted to speak on my experience. I okay. went to elementary school at 30th in college. It was called School 76. It's an assisted elderly living facility now. Mm-hmm. But I remember when I was in the fifth grade, they came in. They said, hey, uh, you guys are going to get bus to Decatur Central. If you live on the west side of Central, then you're going to go to an IPS school. If you live on the east side in the Maple and Fall Creek area, you're going to Decatur Central. So childhood friends that I had, the neighborhood was basically split up, and I never seen these people again. And we were bused to Decatur, and uh, we had no idea what we were getting into. Mm. They were throwing rocks at the bus, and, and I'm a kid, and you have grown people throwing rocks at the bus, calling us all these racial names. And then when we got in the classrooms, it would be only maybe 30 people in the class, but maybe two or three blacks, and mm-hmm. they never put us together. They split us all up. And one of the most uh, uncomfortable things is they had us watch Roots. That mm. was like a main thing they had us watch the movie Roots, and it showed us in a submissive role, a slave role. And uh, my experience there, the education was a lot different. The books, textbooks and everything were newer, but you had to basically want to do it. You didn't have anybody, my experience, as I'm speaking from, and this was in 81. So I was like the first generation to go out there. Yep. From the Mapleton Fall Creek area, and uh, it, it was it was a it was a pretty weird experience. We had a lot of riots, a lot of racial riots, and things of that nature. And one thing that I did find out is that you only had to stay enrolled in school for a certain amount of time, and they could expel you, and they would continue to get the money mm. for you for the rest of the year. Interesting. Yeah. So. Thank you so much for the call. I'm squeeze right, in one sir. more, and we we are Hello. at our time. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, caller on line one. You're our last caller. Who's this? <laughs> Oh, this is Ricky Smith. All right, Ricky, you got 30 seconds. Yes, I grew up on the Golden Ghetto out in 63rd. I moved out there in 58. 
And uh, I was going to Grandview, and they had to integrate the schools back in 60, 61. So I had to be integrated to Cookie Creek. Right. I was one of the first blacks to walk into school. Mm. <clears throat> Those years was kind of hell on us. Uh, you know, I had a guy that was burping all the time, so I never could sit in the cafeteria and eat. I had to eat outside because he was burping every time you eat. And in my days, when you eat, you eat. You enjoy your food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, living in the Golden Ghetto, it was uh, a little rough. <laughs> the schools was all good to us, but when I had to move back into the city, everything was just way behind. The yeah. schools were way behind. Yeah, yeah. And, but that's, I, and that's what we're I dealing enjoy, with now. I enjoyed my life with the, in the Golden Ghetto. But uh, to watch everything change, you know, I was out there then with Ray Crow, uh, G.K. Warren, which had a real estate company. I was out, I was out there with most of the blacks, uh, the sons, uh, the families had more. I didn't have much, but my family took us out there to make us a better person. So God bless everyone, and all that we do, I made it. I'm 68. I'm glad to be alive. Thank you so much. Thank you for the call and sharing your story. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Dr. Brown, I think we could talk for a whole nother hour. So, yeah, you're going to have to pick this up on your show on Saturday. Yeah, I'm going to have to bring you on, too, to kind of monitor that one. I, this is amazing. It's, 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 I'm just, I'm fast. I've always been fascinated with this topic and to hear from people in the different, you know, somebody, how they went in the 90s. Mine was in the 2000s, you know, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s. Um, just th- this is our history. This is literally why Indianapolis is shaped the way it is. It is because of our our school systems. Why do we have eleven school districts in Indianapolis instead of one? Like you know, in Chicago public schools, everybody goes to Chicago public schools. Yeah, yeah, it, I'm, I'm with you on this one. And it seems that the educational piece helped influence even how we think. Yes, and also what with the. Uh, Mayhem saying it also shaped how they developed the economic yes. maneuvering. Yes. Now we got a fancy word in the sociological uh, school of thought called gentrification. Uh huh. Yep. It's so much, so much of Indianapolis is shaped by Unigo, but so much of it is because of the schools. This is the last piece, and that's why everything else consolidated. That's why the police consolidated, the fire department consolidated, you know, your uh, the uh, DPW, all of that consolidated. The one thing that they agreed, and I don't know if I said this before, they agreed, fine, we won't um, consolidate the school districts if you let us consolidate everything else. So... Your stories of why you why you went to Pike Township and your cousin went to IPS and and you, you got a you know another cousin who went to Decatur is shaped because of this decision of desegregating schools and this did not happen in every city there are select cities where this just like has the same story as Indianapolis but Indianapolis has a very unique story on racism segregation desegregation. And education It's literally why our city is shaped the way it is. Dr. Tom Brown, you're going to definitely have to continue uh, this conversation. Okay, we'll rock and roll. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Open Lines with Cameron Riddle. More of this show will be back next Sunday. Same time, same station, live at 8 here on Hot 96.3. Here comes your favorite music. And on WTLC, it's the Hour of Power with Al Sharpton. Have a great Sunday. It is the first day of spring. Go enjoy.